Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we've got a big preview of WWDC that's happening Monday, June 6th. We're going to hear from you guys, the listeners on Twitter. You sent a bunch of wish list items, things you're hoping to see at WWDC and some predictions. So we're going to go through all of that. Then we got a little news here and there and some great follow-up as well. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor, Incogni, where you can protect your personal data and Vogdua that makes great leather goods for your Apple devices. And joining me this week, my friend across the pond, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? Hello. Uh, it's I, I, it's going well because I'm ready. I'm ready for WWDC. I am mm-hmm. ready to be the first person to say Apple Car will be unveiled at WWDC. <laughs> for our new listeners, uh, that if you don't know, William is predicting the Apple Car at every Apple event, henceforth, now and forevermore, until it happens. So one of these times, a, cl- a broken clock is right twice a day, he will be right one day. Exactly. Uh, no one, look at how many ridiculous rumors we get. Every year, mm-hmm. WWDC, mm-hmm. all the way up to it, hardware this, smack that, then nothing happens on hardware because it's a software conference. And yeah. everybody who said hardware was coming was saying, well, of course no hardware was coming. It's a software conference. <laughs> they go through this cycle every single time. And it's like they expect we will only remember when they're right. And I'm trying that out. Mm. Nobody oh, will remember the thousand times I was wrong. I'll remember when I got it, when I nailed it. That's right. So I, you heard it here first, last, That's possibly right. only. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay, well, we will see what, we're going to go through some of the hardware predictions or, you know, some people think we're going to see hardware mm. at this WWDC, but we're going to get to that in a minute. A couple five-star review shout outs. Vita Regido from Brazil. Bruce from the UK. You're good friends with Bruce, right, William? You know Bruce. Well, we haven't spoken in a while, uh, oh, but I, I think we're getting over our past together. Oh, I'm okay. hoping there'll be a reconciliation soon. Yeah. Wonderful. Good to hear. Now, this name, <laughs> I, I don't know how this person did it. It's it's a bunch of wise UIOT, GFF. I don't know. Maybe they're they're really concerned about privacy. But anyway, thank you for your five-star review. And SK Wad from Canada. We have lots of listeners from Canada. It's a wonderful country. Thank you for those five-star reviews. Mm -hmm. Now, last time you were on, William, we talked about releasing our old podcast, a podcast that we had done in the before times, before podcasting was even a thing. And we were going to release it as bonus episodes. I forgot. And then right as we started to record, you thankfully reminded me of that promise. And so if you are listening to this episode, this will depend on whether William sends me his, but I'm going to post an old Tech Taylor episode just for our paid supporters, Patreon or Apple Podcasts. That episode will be right before this week's main episode. And so you can look for the Tech Taylor (laughs) if you want to hear that for our bonus listeners only. It's going to be super old tech news. And uh, whether or not William gets me a file for his bonus episode, it's, that's up to you. you got to pressure him into it. So we'll see. You'll know by the time you hear this. Uh, sorry, you're breaking up there. I think I'm going into a tunnel. Um, uh-huh, I'll, I'll have to uh-huh. come back later. Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a, yeah, great uh, static sound there. Wonderful. Yes. So we'll see. That's, that's for our paid supporters. You can go to patreon.com slash Apple Insider or support us directly in Apple Podcasts. Now, I want to do some follow-up from last week's episode real quick before we get to WWDC stuff. Andrew from Alabama had asked about remote monitoring for Mac devices, where maybe you don't want to VNC and see the screen of a Mac device, but you want to be able to monitor it. And so we called to our listeners and you guys are awesome. You responded, got two great responses. Ryan off on Twitter. He was saying for macOS devices, there's an application called Ninja One. There's Ninja One. And I guess there's also a Google macOS RMM, which is remote monitoring and maintenance. Those are two applications you could use to monitor Macs remotely without VNCing into that. And then Dave from Indianapolis also sent me an email. He mentioned WRT remote monitoring for macOS. And so those are some options to remote monitor your Macs, uh, but not VNC if you just want to be able to see information about some Macs uh, on the internet. So that's pretty cool. And one other piece of follow-up, and this is great because, William, I want to know your opinion on the premier HomePod color. What is the proper (laughs) HomePod color to buy? Because we did a call. We said, send us your white HomePod pictures. I want to know, do they stay clean over time or are they stained? You know, what, what is it? And so we got a bunch of pictures of HomePods, which was very fascinating. I want to mention a few. At Basic Apple Guy on Twitter, of course, he's a great follow if you don't follow him. Friend of the show. He, of course, has pristine white HomePods in his home, as I would expect nothing different from Basic Apple Guy. So, of course, his HomePods are incredible. Mark John on Twitter also has some HomePods, big white HomePods from October 2018, he actually brushes his HomePods with a soft paintbrush to get the dust and keep them clean, which is 
I mean, that's dedication, but his home pods look great. He has white home pods that look immaculate. Also, Dave sent me an email, and he also has a white large home pod, looks very good. But there's also some varying results. Matteo Rampazzi on Twitter sent us a picture of his white home pod, and it is a uh, okay condition, I will say. I think if you were selling this on a uh, like Facebook Marketplace or something, you would say it's fair condition. It does have some discoloration, possibly a stain, but you know that's what happens when you have uh, you know little ones in the house or. Maybe you have a white oh, HomePod right next to the sink, you know? It happens, right. it happens. So I just couldn't figure out what in the world you're all doing to your HomePods, but that makes sense now, yes. <laughs> that can happen. Okay. Now, let me ask you, do you have any white HomePods, William? I have one white and one uh, space gray. Right. Uh, specially chosen for which were the cheapest available at the time I bought. A uh, lot of thought <laughs> went into that, and they are both pristine. This isn't like you and your Apple Watch that you go around smashing into doors and things. Is it? Are you just anti-Apple devices somehow? Listen, I don't know how I swing my arms, but it, my Apple Watch hits the doors all the time. So you're, now your white HomePod, though, where does it live? Is it on your desk? Uh, it's on. I have two desks in my office. It's on the desk behind me. So um, it, uh, at the moment, there are a few books in the way. But uh, as I peek <laughs> over the books, uh, it looks, well, gorgeous, actually. Mm. Now, wait a minute. I have some new information here now, William. You have two desks in your office. Mm. What, what kind of productive work are you doing that you need two desks? Is it because your monitor takes up an entire desk on its own? Uh, I have a Plex server on the other desk. And oh, when I'm doing certain work on my MacBook uh, Pro, I'll work on that one. It's a smaller kind of corner desk. And oh. the main long one with the massive long monitor is for everything else okay. why am i feeling guilty about my desk arrangements you don't have no. to feel guilty about anything I, I was just curious you had two desks in your office i mean that's that's a good size office but yeah uh, sometimes um I, I have a youtube channel 58 keys channel which requires me to show things on the mac and okay it's easier to mount the camera on the other desk and show this one mm. or reverse it if i'm showing it on the other okay yeah no that didn't that didn't help i feel worse okay no yeah. no it's all right it's all right no no good good on you two desks now, William also has a 50-inch wide monitor, and so, mm -hmm. you know, that, that takes up some space. Well, can, can I just say, now, let's not exaggerate. It's okay. 49 inches. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I knew it was pretty big. I thought it was close to 50, so, yeah, yeah. 49. Yeah, you're miles out there. If this is the standard of accuracy we can expect on this podcast, God. I guess we should say centimeters over there, right? Because in the UK, I mean, shouldn't it be centimeters? Oh, that's true, I, but I actually don't know what it is in centimeters. Okay. I, I'm at that age in the UK where uh, I it was changing when I was at school. So lots of things we automatically say uh, in metric and some still in imperial. Although at this very moment, our government is deciding to distract us by saying it will reintroduce imperial measurements. And we're all looking at it thinking everybody who understands imperial is dead and not voting for you anyway. What are you trying <laughs> to cover up? I wish that were a joke. None of it is. So, wow. yeah. Okay. Yes. Bring me back to Apple. Cheer me up. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Apple stuff. Listen, what I want to know, though, is keep sending us your HomePod pictures. I want to see, I want to give an award to the most heinously stained and discolored white HomePod. And I, I just want to see it. I want to see what it looks like. I want to see what happens when you, like, drag it. Don't actually drag it through the mud. But you know what I mean. I want to see what happens when it's taken to task and, uh, and shown what, what can happen to it. So I just want to see it. That's all. All right, couple news things very quickly before we talk about WWDC. There's a new Google TV app on iOS, and I mention it because it is trying to pull in all of your streaming services, much like the Apple TV app does on your iPhone, your Mac, and your Apple TV devices. But the Google TV app, again, does the same thing, and I'm always curious, you know, what are companies doing, and does it, is it better? Does it look you know, is it more organized? So this is called the Google TV app. I'll put a link in the show notes to the app. It does a fine job of surfacing top picks for you, popular movies and shows across all the different services, and also breaks down into genres. Plus it accesses your stuff, you know, depending if you use movies anywhere to like sync all your purchases, or if you've purchased stuff in Google specifically for Google movies. But it's a nicely designed app. At a glance, I'm not sure. I'll have to use it a little bit to see actually how well it actually surfaces like what you're currently watching. But uh, yeah, nice to see a different option on there. How do you feel, William? You know, we're nearing WWDC. We might see some updates to tvOS. Hmm. How do you find the Apple TV TV app functions for you when you're like trying to resume something you've already watched or find something 
just in general, if you're just trying to find something, a movie or TV show, how do you find the TV app to be? Mostly good. Yeah. There are two bugs. One is if uh, occasionally uh, I used to write things for Apple Insider that was explaining how you can watch Apple events and one of the, one of the best places on your Apple TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, but good luck finding the Apple TV event uh, on your TV set. <laughs> it used to be under movies for some reason. And now you can find the old one if you're lucky, but you won't find the new one until the moment it's like all this sort of stuff. It's just oddly arranged. And I used to dislike how difficult it was to find anything from actually Apple TV Plus. And back in the days when you didn't often want to watch Apple TV Plus, when you did, it was frustrating trying to find the show you knew was there. So now it's in a separate section. I think that is better. But persistently there are metadata problems uh you get the wrong photograph being shown mm. uh, i mean you get this some of the services i noticed it most recently actually is a uk service called britbox um uh, it has uh I, is it britbox i'm being unfair there's some service i was using where it showed the tv show fame mm. but the photograph was from the 1980 film mm. uh, for it so you can understand the errors but it does that and i got that a lot on apple tv Box. Plus, Apple TV used to have this weird, weird thing. Uh, you just finished watching episode three, and it was adamant that the next thing to watch was episode one. <laughs> it got the counting wrong. And it happened so often, uh, it just started forgetting it. And I don't know whether that's fixed or whether I've just, I automatically ignore it now and go manually through. So, yeah, bit, bit of a mixed thing. I feel like you opened a can there and all the worms came out. Do you find it much better <laughs> than I do? I think it's fine, like you're saying. If I watch Obi-Wan, let's say on Disney+, Plus, I find that the next episode shows up in the up next section of the Apple TV TV app. So that's as I would hope. And if I'm watching a movie or something, that shows up in that up next. I, I still find it's awkward going between the apps on your Apple TV. Like, let's say I want to watch a YouTube video and then going back to finding what was I just watching And I understand all these things are not going to integrate. You know, I don't think YouTube is going to allow the TV app to show your watch later list. Although that would be amazing if you could have like your watch later YouTube video show up in the up next list, you know, the little scrolling row. But it's just still a little clunky. I kind of wish that in some utopian universe, there would be just kind of one home screen for Apple TV, both things that are up next and Apple TV content, but also a place for apps. Maybe some kind of like, launch pad maybe that you would have like on a Mac where you can just quickly tap and access your most used apps from that one screen rather than having to go back and forth from like the old round rec homepage with all the different apps and then also like the Apple TV TV app that Apple kind of wants you to live in so I don't know maybe maybe they'll unify them maybe there'll be some updates on WWDC I hope so actually that reminded me I'd forgotten this and it annoyed me so much it used to be you would search for something in Apple TV and it would show it to you but it was really hard to know whether it was uh, free whether it's part of a service you were already paying for or whether it was a separate purchase and if it was a service that you used like uh, I dropped out of Amazon Prime for a while and it didn't realize that, so it was still offering me. The Amazon app wasn't letting me get things. The Apple one was believing I could, and it just, I just want to watch something, you know? And I ended up thinking, (laughs) can I see this? Can I not see this? Uh, Now I tend to, I, when I want, no, I want to buy it, I go straight to um, the TV or the movies app. I don't go through Apple TV. And if I know it's on Amazon, I go to Amazon. Plus, you know, Netflix doesn't play, I bet. I, I actually hadn't heard of that Google, Ah, but I guarantee Netflix isn't on it. You know what they're like oh, with yeah, these no. things. So I'm still going to multiple different places, and and then I have Plex as a separate thing. Yeah, it'd be nice to have everything in one place. But back in the day, we used to have three broadcast channels, and that was enough for anybody. <laughs> back in know. the day, you had rabbit ears on your TV, and you exactly. put tin foil, tin foil yes. to extend the antenna. I get the it. Kids get today. It. They don't, they don't understand. They don't know. You had to wait for the show to be on before oh, you could watch it. You had to wait. Yes. You had to wait. Yes. And commercials. Wild. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can still see a lot of commercials depending on where you're watching and how much you pay for said streaming true. service. But, <laughs> true. but yeah. So iPad Mini, this is an interesting thing. They have a, there's a new wireless charging case for iPad Mini. This is from Pitaka's Magazine case. I thought this was interesting only because there had been rumors that future iPads would have wireless charging. I think even Mark Gurman had mentioned that that's a possibility. This is a case that the bottom part plugs into that lightning port. And this case allows you to wirelessly charge. And they have a stand 
that goes with it. So you can like put your iPad on the stand and it's immediately charging, which got me thinking because I actually just got the Magflot magnetic stand for iPad Pro. Have you seen this thing around? The Magflot stand? It is... I like the name. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Magflop. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like a flux capacitor. I'll send you a link to this thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) The Magflot stand, it's really nice and it magnetically just holds the iPad Pro and it rotates 90 degrees so you can do landscape or portrait. I've actually started editing my podcast with the iPad just on that stand so I don't have to hold the iPad the whole time. You can get it for a 10.9 and 11 inch and 12.9 inch iPads. So anyway, I just thought, I'm curious if you feel like you would want this, but before I was like, eh, wireless charging for iPad. I don't care to put a big puck the size of a hockey puck on the back of my iPad. I don't think I want to do that. But the possibility of having different stands where it will charge an iPad when you just slap it on there magnetically would be nice. I feel like it should be possible now with a smart connector, which charges the iPad through the magic keyboard. I don't know, maybe with some kind of MagSafe solution oh, if you try iPads, you know so right now you can have a stand and you pop your ipad on just the way you would with say the magic keyboard but then you also have to presumably plug a wire into the usb-c socket i feel like a stand is useful a charger is useful but i have one ipad on my wall i use as a dashboard thing and i have uh, another ipad my basically my working ipad on a magic keyboard uh, for it i i wouldn't go for a separate stand in between the two yeah. No. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, this is interesting. We'll see if wireless charging actually comes to the iPad, maybe in the next models this fall, maybe next spring. We'll see. But mm. I thought it was an interesting case, especially for iPad mini, because iPad mini is of a size that feels like, yeah, maybe wirelessly charge that shouldn't take 18 hours like a 12.9 inch would take to wirelessly charge. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. There's a version of the Kindle Paperwhite, isn't there, that can be charged wirelessly. Oh, that's um, right. I think it adds a lot of money to the cost of it and um i don't know that i find it worthwhile but that always feels like a similar size to the ipad mini so i I presume a similar size battery this episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor incogni incogni solves one of the biggest problems we all face today our personal data being shared and used without our permission everything from your address and contact details to your shopping habits email background you name it brokers probably have it But did you know that you have the right to request brokers to delete the information they have on you? Well, you actually have that right. And it can be tricky. So Incogni does all the messy work for you automatically. So you can protect your privacy by taking your personal data off the market. You simply create an account, tell them whose personal data you'd like to remove, and Incogni will reach out to data brokers on your behalf requesting your personal data be removed and they'll deal with any objections. It's an incredible service and just knowing all the different places you can be tracked and advertising companies trying to get your information, this is an awesome service. So you can give it a try and the first 100 people to use the promo code Apple Insider, all one word, or go to the link incogni.com slash Apple Insider will get 20% off Incogni. That's incogni, I-N-C-O-G-N-I, incogni.com slash Apple Insider, or use the promo code Apple Insider, and you can get 20% off Incogni. Take control of your data. Our thanks to Incogni for sponsoring this episode. All right, last little piece of news before we get to a big WWDC preview. You actually had this article today as we record, Mm. but the rumor has now resurfaced that Apple might be launching a web search as part of its services. Robert Scoble on Twitter, Scobleizer, he's a longtime tech guy in the space. He was saying and a new search engine might be coming soon too. This might sound crazy at first, thinking why would Apple do a search engine? Google already has the space on lock. You also have Bing and DuckDuckGo and these other search engines. But if you think about it for a second, Apple kind of already does search results when you ask Siri anything, especially when you search on your iPhone, iPad, or your Mac. It shows you web results, and those are web results not from a different search engine. Those are Apple's web results that it's suggesting to you. To create a bespoke web search, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. I don't know if it would actually be like a website you go to, like search.apple.com or something like that. But I could see Apple expanding its search to maybe when you search in the Siri bar, like on your iPhone, when you swipe down on the home screen and you start typing, 
you know, you get a bunch of results. You get results from your phone, contact results, message results, photos from the web. You know, you got all these results when you swipe down and do a spotlight search. I could also see maybe see more web results as an option and you get brought to a page on your iPhone or your iPad that shows you a list of possible search results much like a Google search would, but they're just the Siri suggestions and not Google or Bing. They're directly from Siri, from Apple's services. So I don't think this is as crazy of a thing to consider. I don't think it would be a standalone website. I think it would be more integrated than that. But it makes sense, especially as we think augmented reality, virtual reality, if someone's walking around a city wearing augmented reality or mixed reality glasses, and they want to get more information about something, to say, search for this or tell me about this, and it's something they're looking at, the AR glasses can see what it is that they're seeing, that Apple would want to be the one surfacing those results and also getting that data of what is being searched for to help Apple's results across the board. And I could see that as a possibility rather than trying to lean on Google for that or even Bing. And you can also see this in the Photos app. This was released last year at WWDC. When you take a picture of an animal or a plant, Apple actually gives you more information about that picture, whatever is in the picture right there in the Photos app. You can actually tap on a plant in the Photos app, a picture of a plant if you have one, and there's an option to see more info. So what do you think about this, William? Search results or Apple expanding its search result ability? What do you think? Nope. No, 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 just straight no. no. This is like my Apple car thing. Uh, that's what it is. You keep <laughs> saying it till something happens. He has previously said that the Apple Glass headset will be released at WWDC 22 this year, along with a new iPod. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> okay. uh, and right after he said that, he also said, it's informed, but you can't trust anything I say. I was like, okay, uh, this what? is, if you buy enough tickets, you win the lottery. He's throwing it. He was throwing out uh... huge numbers of things about VR. Oh, and by the way, there's going to be a search thing for it. Uh, also, he backed off immediately saying, well, that's not WWDC. That'll be January next year for some reason. Mm. It's like, yeah, right. Okay. When you look at it the way you did, you can make a strong case, but I think it's it's built on sand. And when he was pressed about it, he, uh, well, I, you didn't hear the quote. I just saw it written down. It read to me as if he was saying, it's he's got this from conversations and some predictions. And I just felt like the and some predictions, extrapolations was really the main part of all of this. So yeah, I'm, I'm not believing it. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make one more case. I, I took my iPhone here. <laughs> I swiped down to activate Spotlight. I searched William Gallagher. Oh. Search for William Gallagher. Here's the, here's the results I got. Your contact card in my phone. That's the first option. Mm. In the Files app, I have the black and white picture of you that we use to put in the Apple Podcast host pictures. Mm. I got some emails with you on there. And then Siri suggested websites, mm. which sounds a lot like search results. And uh, here's a couple of these search results. You have williamgallagher.com, your Twitter, twitter.com slash wgallagher, your editor page on appleinsider.com. And guess what the fourth result is, William? Just take a wild guess. Uh, Willie Gallagher, the politician from the Gorbals. You know what? No? That was actually the sixth result. <laughs> really? <laughs> Believe it or not, I saw that William James Gallagher, uh, 1875 to 1946, representative such and such. That was, that was the sixth result here. Okay. Uh, but no, your Wikipedia page, William, is the fourth result. Oh, right. Or series suggested websites. I'm just saying, like, these are search results. Okay. These series suggested websites are search results. All right. But if we're going to get into the weeds here, let's just point out what you said about, uh, you know, with Photograph, uh -huh. that it will look up more information details sure, sure. only in america oh really doesn't work here and i've no idea where. it's a couple of years now you've had that isn't it and it's so useful my wife angela just bought an app that does plant identification and i was about to say why would you do that when your iphone does it and i realized well no it doesn't oh, so okay yeah that apple cards mm, yeah it's so fine sorry. no no so don't 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 mind us hey maybe wwdc maybe you'll get the apple card this year maybe it'll expand i don't see tim cook standing up and uh, announcing news for the UK in the middle of a, yeah I mean we might be a, we might be on one of those slides in the background no no Tim Cook gets on stage and he says I was listening to the Apple Insider podcast and William Gallagher came in my ears and said no Apple card in the UK and we said no more 
and they launch the Apple Card in the UK. Right. It might happen. So you feel I have immense influence over Apple Card, but not Apple Car. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's probably more likely we'll yeah. see the Apple Car than it is that uh, you know, they'll, they'll announce that. But anyway, all right, let's talk about WWDC. Yes. So Monday, June 6th, the keynote is at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. It will be live streamed. They stream it on YouTube. You can watch it on your Apple TV, your devices, just on the web in Safari if you would like. We're going to be doing a recap podcast right after the event, talking about all the updates and changes that occurred. And just tune in, look for your podcast player. A new episode will drop usually an hour or two after the event ends. I got to record and, and get it out there. So recap episode to hear all that's new. But here's some of the preview things, what's been mentioned that might come. Let's talk about hardware first, because obviously software is the event. That's the purpose. We'll see the most updates and changes for software. But when it comes to hardware, there are some rumors, some thoughts about hardware that we'll see at this event. The VR headset or mixed reality headset, I think it's less and less likely that we will see it at WWDC. Maybe we'll see some kind of software or SDK allusion to some kind of VR headset, but I'm not convinced that's going to be a, a main staple. When it comes to hardware, though, I do think this would be prime time to launch the Apple Silicon Mac Pro that we still have yet to see. Apple has literally said that that is coming, the Apple Silicon Mac Pro. And there's been a lot of rumors and a lot of talk about the M2 MacBook Air, that it might make an appearance. And at the developers conference, talking about the new chip, the M2, I am not as inclined to think that they would announce the M2 MacBook Air and not the Mac Pro. I also don't think they would announce them side by side because if the Mac Pro is doing some kind of M1 variant, like an M1 Extreme or double M1 Ultras, I, I feel like they wouldn't launch that alongside an M2. I don't know if they would launch an M2 Extreme, although they did announce that the M1 lineup is done. The M1 Ultra was the last one. So I don't know, William, what, what do you think officially, not, not like Apple Car style of predictions, but what do you think we might see hardware-wise at the event Monday? This is really about the only time when I think there actually is a chance of hardware. Yeah. I mean, most of the time, no. But this one time is special because this is the end of the two-year transition to Apple Silicon. I've noticed that since Tim Cook stood up the stage and announced two years, uh, there have been kind of apologists for him saying what he actually means is by the end of 2022. Well, no. He said two years. He said it at WWDC two years ago. That's true. This is the end of the two years. One machine left to go, and they've they've done that unusual thing of hinting about it coming. I could well believe it being in there in some form. But actually, everything I'm excited about uh, is to do with macOS. I don't really know what to expect from it, but I just I'm really looking forward to what comes out with macOS, whatever it's called next. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think Mac Pro. This is the two year mark from when Apple announced Apple Silicon and Tim Cook said two years for the transition. So I think Mac Pro is the most likely. I think there's a good chance we will see it. Do you think we'll see a successor to the Pro Display XDR along with an Apple Silicon Mac Pro? It feels so too soon, like it would be practically cannibalizing sales for it. It's like, forget that rubbish one we released. Here's the better one, which Apple has done before. It's been three years. The first Pro Display XDR? Since the, oh, sorry, I'm thinking of uh, this year's... Um, studio Display. Studio Display uh, thing. Right. Yeah, it could be still... I don't think... It doesn't feel necessary for WWDC. Right. So, I I mean, there's going to be enough going on. That's true. Anyway, I don't think... It, I think Apple is really, really good at using the spotlight for things. It knows... Uh, like at the iPhone launches, we always used to get the Apple Watch, and we, less so now, but it was... Here's this iPhone, everybody's looking at the iPhone and they used it as a way to put the watch in front of us for it because they knew. they Those two items are complementary, they don't compete and also it got the watch more attention than it would on its own. Yeah. They are really clever about when they say what, I think. And this is a yeah. case where it just doesn't feel like there's a particular advantage to talking about a display and because there isn't an advantage it's kind of detracts from other things or at the very least takes time yeah. from other things and you know now especially now they're doing video stuff there they are so tightly produced uh, i mean very well tightly produced i think 
I would have said no to any hardware at all because I, I got a bit fed up of the whole cycle of everything's hardware, everything's hardware, then it wasn't. And no, of course, it was never <laughs> going to be. And But this time there is that reason, at least yeah. that one reason to think there's a chance. And we have to remember there's going to be people physically at Apple Park for this WWDC. There's going to be developers, people That's who true. have developer accounts, but are really there kind of as quasi press, <laughs> I think are going to be there. And so there will actually be a possibility for a hands-on. Uh, you know, if they announce That's hardware, true. they could put it in the new, quote, developer center, that new area they're going to show off to the people that are attending in person. Feels like it would be a prime opportunity to announce some hardware. And also, I think I agree. I, I don't think we'll see a successor to the XDR, but they could just take another opportunity to show off the studio display or the Pro Display and say, here's our brand new Apple Silicon Mac Pro, mm. pair it with a studio display or a Pro Display XDR and you get a great computing experience either way. You know, Pro Display XDR for filmmakers, graphic photography, and then studio display for, you know, audio engineering or developers, you know, they can make those kinds of those trade-offs. So Braden Newell on Twitter, he does think the Mac Pro is going to be coming like it did in 2019. That was when it was announced WWDC in 2019. And then Patrice Caligaris actually tweeted that they're going to launch everything. The Mac Pro with M2 Extreme, <laughs> MacBook Air with M2, Mac Mini. I don't think we're going to see all of that hardware. I, I will be very curious. This is the software developer event. If there will be some kind of reality OS has been trademarked and it's possible it could be announced without hardware alongside of it. It could just be, here's our new reality OS. You know, you can use it with LiDAR on some of your current Apple devices and the exciting things coming in the terms of AR and VR, and they don't announce the headset until the fall. I could see that as a, as a real possibility. You're actually changing my mind because I've forgotten about the developer center, and I'm questioning everything I've ever believed. So I'm just going to go, mm, <laughs> for the moment. So maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah, exactly. So we'll see. It's exciting to, uh, it's an exciting WWDC, I think. I think we're going to see some cool stuff. But moving on to a different operating system, talk about macOS just for a second. Brentac Prime on Twitter, he was wanting automations and shortcuts for Mac and also just some time devoted to shortcuts overall. This is something we've talked about before. Absolutely. You have automations on iPhone and iPad when it comes to shortcuts. Would love to see more automations on the Mac, yeah. especially some file-based automations. I know this would be somewhat Sherlocking apps like Hazel mm. or even Keyboard Maestro, but to be able to automate some things in folders and files and those automations being built right into the Shortcuts app, I think that would be pretty exciting. I'm with the thing about Shortcuts. Um, I love it on the Mac. It's just, and, and it's getting progressively better even in between years, but it's still, there's the odd flaky thing that doesn't quite seem to work. And I have to think about it. I have different Shortcuts on the Mac than I do on my uh, iPhone and iPad. And it'd be nice just to have one that knew where it was for example, knew what device, so didn't require me to say, if you're a Mac, do this, whatever. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, as I, I think I said to, well, anybody passing really who'll listen to me, I, I, I actually really like Apple Mail, but I would like it to do just a few more things uh, a bit better, so that would be good. I feel like I'm talking low-level stuff. It's like a failure of imagination here because, I mean, last year, who could possibly have predicted uh, universal control? Right. In retrospect, it's like Sidecar Plus. Maybe we should have seen it coming. But Apple is able to do these great things. With it. And actually, wasn't it the year before that uh, Safari translation came through? And that's gorgeous and things. Yeah, um, that is true. I want something else I haven't thought of that is fantastic, please. <laughs> sort that out, okay? This episode is brought to you by our friends at Vogue Duo. Vogue Duo makes incredible leather products for your Apple devices. And this week, we're talking about their three-in-one MagSafe charging solution. The Vogue wireless charging stand improves the vibe of your office or your desk and your experience when charging. If you want something that looks nice on your desk or your nightstand or something that looks nice when traveling, the Vogue 3-in-1 leather charger is the charger to go with. It has a handcrafted leather design, MagSafe charging for your iPhone, your Apple Watch, and wirelessly charge your AirPods as well, all three in one. It looks great. It's got a beautiful design. Again, it can charge all three of your devices. So if you'd like to travel with this and have something that looks nice in your hotel room or wherever you're going, this is awesome. And I love that the Apple Watch charger, so it has a three-in-one. It's got the MagSafe charger. You can adjust the height and the tilt angle for your phone. It's got a flat area for your AirPods to charge wirelessly. And then for the Apple Watch charger, it actually has this little slide in and out shelf on the right side. 
where you can compact that, slide it in when you're traveling, or if you don't need the Apple Watch charger, and then slide it out to charge it. And your Apple Watch charger can also change tilt on that little charging stand. Really innovative. I love the look of this thing. It's foldable, adjustable, and retractable. Magnetic alignment for any orientation use. You can put your phone vertical or in landscape, horizontal. It has a switchable nightlight, and it's a USB-C plug on this 3-in-1 charger. I love I can just go with all USB-C cables when I travel, and you can use this to charge your iPhone, your AirPods, and your Apple Watch. So customize and make your living space or office space beautiful, elegant, and always ready to charge your devices. So here's what you do. Click the link in the episode description, and you can get $20 off the 3-in-1 leather charger. The discount code is AI20, just the letters AI20, all one word, for $20 off each unit. You can go to Vogduo.us or click the link in the episode description that'll take you right to the three-in-one charger. Our thanks to Vogduo for sponsoring this episode. iCloud last year got an entire segment. You know, they launched iCloud Plus, distinguishing between paid iCloud services and the free tier, doing things like adding unlimited HomeKit secure video cameras, doing private relay and the custom domain emails for iCloud. So I could see another iCloud segment at this WWDC, and I hope, maybe hope that they improve a lot of the family sharing features when it comes to iCloud, especially things like photos. John Syracuse talks a lot about this on the ATP podcast, about being able to share photo libraries. I would also love to see better Find My support, especially for items. You know, we have AirTags on things like the Apple TV remote. I got one of those little silicone cases for the Apple TV remote. Oh, yeah. Put an air tag in there so you can find it and make it play a sound. But only one person can actually do that with items. Mm. And so it'd be great if you could actually share items within a family that feels like an iCloud type thing. Oh, actually, I don't like that idea. Because uh, I remember arguing when the air tags first came out, people were writing to me saying, I've written a feature about it and what it could. And people were saying, no, you must be able to share these things. Uh, and I think, no, if if you can force somebody in your family to share their air tag, you can think of abusive relationships where that would happen, as long as the AirTag belongs to only one person. It's a small barrier between stalking and horrible situations, but opening it up to everybody can in the family can share where everything is, I think that starts becoming yeah. very unpleasant. I feel like you could do like an invite-type program. Like when it comes to HomeKit, which we'll talk about in a moment, just because they're in your iCloud family doesn't mean they have access to a HomeKit home. You actually have to invite people individually, just like you would with like a shared album. In that situation, if you are the sort of person that puts pressure on your partner or whatever, you're going to put pressure on them to sure. invite you. So it's like mm. an abstraction player. The Siri remote thing. I mean, my Siri remote never leaves the living room. Uh, it, it, it's never taken me more than an hour to find it. <laughs> so I'm all right with that, that having an air tag, but... Put two on it, if necessary. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure, sure. Put two. Well, that, forgive me, it's a side point, but the thing about AirTag air reminds me. Uh, you know, Apple originally said that the battery should last about a year. Yeah. But I bought my AirTags at launch, so it's now over a year, and I checked at the year point. And or I, my two, they don't give a figure. They give an icon with a battery level, but it looked to me about 75 80% battery charge left. And I thought that was amazing. But just in the last two days, I'm getting warnings about one of them being really low. And when I check, yeah, it's down to red 10 or 5% for it. That makes me worry about the whole accuracy of this. It, there's no way it's dropped 60% in two days when it hasn't been anywhere. And I haven't been using Find My mm. with it. So, uh, And why of the two tags that I activated at the same time has only one of them gone that way? Um, it's perturbing. That is interesting. I, I just checked some of my batteries. Some of my AirTag batteries look full still, even after a year. I bought all these at launch. Some are like a little down, maybe like 70%. I wonder if it's an AirTag that is not near U1 devices often, that it has to rely more on like Bluetooth and that takes more energy. Mm. And so it's trying to find nearby Bluetooth devices in the Find My network. And that is why the battery drains. But if it's near U1 enabled devices like iPhone 12 and 13, that it takes less energy to ping the location and keep it updated. Maybe. Uh, that's just a theory. I'm not sure. I could see that making sense, except for the the, the abrupt drop I've had because that's true. Uh, it's on my key ring, so it's with me. It's near the phone. Yeah, uh, all the time. That's true. Mm. I don't know, listeners. Let us know what your AirTag batteries like, especially if you got them on launch day. If it's uh, if you've had to replace a battery already, or if it's 
full. A lot of mine are, are still pretty full. So iCloud, it would be interesting to see an iCloud segment. Love to know what they would do elsewhere. Also, HomeKit, very quickly, we have a whole episode dedicated to HomeKit, a whole podcast, HomeKit Insider. But we have some listeners with recommendations. Sever Siniso, I'll say, he on Twitter was saying he would love HomePods in Brazilian Portuguese languages. That would be helpful. Smart vacuums in HomeKit. That would be amazing to get like Roombas and the Roborock robot vacuums into HomeKit supported natively. Those are not yet supported as a device category. And interactive widgets. Yes, that would be huge. That's another thing. We'll talk about iOS in a second, but just better widgets overall. Widgets you can interact with without having to go into the app, whether it's toggles or adding a task. And especially for HomeKit. I mean, there are no HomeKit widgets from the built-in Home app right now. Like there's just not any as an option, which seems crazy. Like it's Apple's app. Apple introduced widgets. They have widgets for a lot of their own first-party apps. How could you not have Home (laughs) as an option of widgets to control devices or set scenes? So that would be very nice to see in the HomeKit space. And Derek Means on Twitter like myself, would love to see a HomePod Pro or some return of a larger HomePod. New AirPods, of course, new AirPods Pro. We've been waiting for those, although they might have to wait till the fall. But more features there would be cool as well. Anything you're hoping for in the HomeKit space? I I like the idea of Home. I mean, I really like my two big HomePods. I was very glad to get the second one just before it all ran out for it. But I think I'm actually, I'm probably covered. The rumors of a HomePod that has a screen on it, that doesn't particularly interest me for it. Uh, a TV soundbar version of the HomePod. Well, yeah, actually, yeah, I did put uh, my HomePods by the TV set for the finale of Strictly Come Dancing. I'm getting very specific <laughs> here. Live music on a Saturday night, sounding fantastic to the HomePods, but then I just moved them back afterwards. Right. Um, so having something permanently there that I could, I could, could be tempted. Yeah. Uh, are, are you a home HomeKit speaker Strictly fan? Or what? Um, I mean, I got a couple Sonos soundbars that I've put under the TVs now. Oh, yeah. But because uh, my kids play music from different HomePods around the house all the time. And you do have the option of controlling the volume on other devices that you're not directly connected to. You know, when you press the little AirPlay symbol in the control center, let's say on your iPhone, there is the button at the bottom that says control other speakers and TVs. Mm. And so you can jump into another device that's currently playing and pause it or lower the volume, adjust the volume. So I like that. But sometimes when you mess with those settings, it then starts wanting to airplay what you have on your iPhone to that device. And that's kind of maddening because if my kids are listening to music, I don't want to replace the music. I'm just trying to lower the volume. But now once I've tried to control it, my phone is like, oh, I'll just send your podcast over there. And that's, you know, don't want that. So a couple of times uh, in the last few weeks, I've been in my kitchen cooking. I'm using the iPhone to play music, and I had the recipe on the iPad, and I, I did the "Hey Iris" or whatever you would like to call it to <laughs> ask for something, yeah. and it wouldn't do it. It just wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. Would do it. And eventually, my wife came and said, "The HomePod in here is playing the strangest thing. <laughs> it's because of you." Yeah, that's what happens. It's just mysterious. Yeah. That'd be nice. Dalmata22 on Twitter also said, you know, multiple home bugs, which it can get a little weird when you have multiple homes set up on your iCloud accounts and stuff. So it'd be nice to see improvements there. Uh. And also last thing for HomeKit, I would love to see more granular permissions when it comes to inviting someone into your home, which we mentioned a minute ago. Mm. I would love to be able to specify what rooms could be controlled, whether that's by my children's (laughs) accounts or maybe you have guests staying with you for some time and you want them to give them access to a room plus the living room, but not the entire house, like locks and cameras and stuff. It would be nice to be able to specify things like that in permissions. I've got this image of you locking a guest up in a room and saying, this room and nowhere else. <laughs> no, no. Not that they're locked in there like Beauty and the Beast style, you know. But that's just what they can control with their phone. All right. Uh, but anyway, I really don't know what to say about this, but watch OS, you know, watch has tons of potential. Jack Miller on Twitter at real says updates to watch OS interface and old watch faces, which would be welcome. You know, there's a lot of old watch faces on there that have been stagnant since the Apple watch launched to thinking of like the utility face, the original modular. And we have updated watch faces, obviously like infograph and infograph duo. We have the contour face for Apple watch series seven, but this maybe it's the year. Still don't think it's going to happen, but uh, well, curious what you think. Maybe it's the year for third-party watch faces. What do you think, William? I wouldn't let me loose designing watch faces, so 
<laughs> There's going to be a lot of tat out there, really, isn't there? Would you do like a Salvador Dali, like melting watch face? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that that's within my skill set. Yes, absolutely. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like it's still not going to happen, but maybe different watch faces, different complication sizes, maybe, you know, updated apps. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what I want from watchOS. Listeners, tweet at us before Monday what you predict or want from updated watchOS. And then, of course, the big one here, iOS and iPadOS. Lots of things that everybody wants. At Matt Tillotson, friend of the show, native weather app on iPad would be amazing. It's ridiculous that we still just have a a widget, but no actual app, like also no calculator app on the iPad. I don't understand. I don't know why tapping the weather widget brings you to AccuWeather or the weatherchannel.com or whatever. Where does it bring you in the UK? When you tap a weather widget on an iPad, do you know where it brings you, William? I don't know. Isn't that terrible? I never use it on the iPad. I could reach over and find one, but it would switch off the HomeKit devices if I use that iPad, and it would switch off this recording if I oh, step that, that one. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to bluff and go, yeah. Mm. Yeah, don't do it. Okay, don't do no, it. No, no, no. You know, every now and again, Siri on the HomePod, if I ask the temperature, it will, for some reason, and who knows why, volunteer that this information comes from the Weather Channel. So it's obviously the same oh, okay, here okay. for that. Yeah, so uh, stock weather app on iPad would be great. You know that big screen with like those cool weather animations when it's storming and stuff. You get the yeah. maps already built into the weather app on iPhone. It'd be nice to see it. And also, Matt was saying granular audio notifications on AirPods. This would be great because you can set certain notifications like announce messages on AirPods, but sometimes you know, you want to turn specific things off. He mentioned like Twitter direct message conversations, not get those via AirPods, but maybe other Twitter notifications. So more granular notifications for that. That might have to be a API that app developers plug into as well. At KConnor90 was saying another big HomePod, which we said native iPad weather app for sure. Visual overhaul in iOS 16, which I don't know if we'll get a visual overhaul for the OS, but some of those native apps, Mark Gurman was saying, might get significant updates, which would be great. And updates to iMessage, which that was something Mark Grimman said should be coming. iMessage updates in iOS 16. So that's good. Andrew Clare on Twitter saying he had a bunch of recommendations, but he also mentioned Final Cut on iPad for M1. This would be another great opportunity. Software event, announcing a new app. Final Cut, maybe also a version of Logic on iPad Pro, even if it's just M1 iPads, but getting those Pro apps on the iPad. What do you think, William? What's the over-under? you think we'll see that? Probably not. But, <laughs> oh, William! Um, yeah, why are you doing down I'm in sorry, everything? I'm being very it? negative no, it's here. All right. But at least I'm sounding sad about it. Uh, there have sure. been rumors recently that basically the iPad will become a Mac. And as far as I can tell, they all come from one uh, patent or patent application that actually I read. Uh, and uh, the you know, patents have lots of drawings in them. There were a couple of drawings of iPads that had a Mac-like screen, you know, the file menu and all that sort of stuff. The first one I saw, I thought that's uh, the inventors just grabbed the wrong clip art. <laughs> they obviously have a stock of these. There were a couple and enough that made you think, at least in their mind, there was a possibility. But I can't make that leap from there to there being a Mac on an iPad. And I don't know that I want it because I like iPad OS. Yes, I'd like it to do more, but I, I like what we've got so far. Totally replacing it and making it another Mac. I don't know. And is the bit in between putting Final Cut Pro on or the apps? Maybe. We know it, it ought to be technically possible because it's the same processor. But yeah. truly, I don't know what's actually involved. And I don't know what Apple would be saying by putting the stuff on there right. they've been very clear about trying to keep the two separate except when they've been clear about blurring them together <laughs> yeah like universal control and mm. stuff like that you know mm. you know catalysts yeah, yes. yeah exactly yeah. exactly dustin at digital krampus on twitter he was saying synced notifications and this is a great idea <laughs> yes because i cannot tell you how many times i've dismissed notifications on my iphone or my ipad i sit down at the mac and the notification center is just a mess. It just has tons of notifications, a bunch of stuff that I've already seen, things from days ago, because I just forget to go to the notification center on Mac mm. and dismiss all these banners and things living in that today view. So yeah. that would be amazing. And Messages does this fairly well. If you have iCloud Messages turned on and you read a message on your iPhone or your iPad, usually it does a good job of marking it as red everywhere and removing the notification from the lock screen. 
But it would be amazing for that to happen across devices for other apps. That would be awesome. Steve Trotton-Smith, he was on Twitter saying things he would like. A dramatically reimagined iPad multitasking. This is going to be the big deal. You know, last year we were supposed to see some multitasking update. And Apple did make a big deal of it. But really it was just, we now have this little symbol at the top of the iPad screen that lets you split view a little easier. I don't think it was fair to say that that was a reimagined multitasking. So maybe, maybe this is the year that iPad multitasking gets vastly improved. Maybe even specifically for keyboard and mouse users. Like this was a recent rumor that when you connect an iPad to a smart or magic keyboard or a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse, that it would give you more options in that mode as opposed to not connected to a keyboard and mouse. So maybe we could see that. Steve Tron Smith also thinks that reality OS could be something we see. And he wants third-party watch faces, of course. But like William, I'm not I'm not sold on that. Not sold. Are you hoping or think that iPad multitasking is going to get uh, updated? I was one of these people that really didn't think a mouse was right on an iPad. It's an iPad. You touch it. I like the way you feel like your hands are in your work. But then actually, particularly since universal control, the ability to just be working at one Mac, fling your cursor over, do something on the iPad and come back, it's starting to become very natural and normal to me. So I think I will adapt to any improvements for it. But get rid of the clunkiness of in and out of split view. That would be nice. Not like I have a better idea of how to do it. So yeah, (laughs) I just, uh, each time it's uh, okay. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. At Leonard works was also saying external monitor support for iPad. That's something many people have been wanting for a long time. That would be great to see where you can actually do an extended display, not just mirror it when you connect your iPad to a monitor. T Pereira on Twitter said reminders updates. This is something I could see Apple doing a little segment on reminders adding more features in there, updating lists, sections, descriptions. That's very good. At AndyLev15 on Twitter, improved native contacts app, absolutely. And also the ability to share contacts or at least have shared contact groups in an iCloud family. I think that would be huge. And, you know, because again, there's lots of contacts I want to share with my wife and you usually just end up airdropping or texting the contact card. It'd be great just to have a shared contact group that when you put a contact there, you know your entire family or at least your partner has access to that contact. I think that'd be great. Yeah, I like that. This all feels like little bits. It's like, I think what we've got is actually very little good. Bits, yeah. And little bits more are nice. I, I can't make the leap of thinking of something gigantic come and I kind of want there to be something gigantic just for the fun of it. Is that daft? It's a bit daft. No, no, I, I get it. You know, there's there's been few times where something very dramatic, you know, I think shortcuts mm-hmm. both on iPhone, like when it was announced for the iPhone, an iPad, that was a huge deal. And then also again for the Mac, that was a big deal. Apple Maps, another huge yeah. tent pole. And trying to think what other... Well, I did actually say wow aloud when we saw universal control. Demonstrated. Right, yeah, so, that's yeah, yeah, that's true. Universal control for sure. So I, th- I think there's room for an unexpected thing on, on some of the operating systems. It's like Matt Hopman finally on Twitter. He's just excited to see the new updates. Mm. I am looking forward to being surprised and excited. I, I think... I think it's going to be a really good one. I think we're going to see things we don't expect and maybe get some things that we've been hoping for. I, I'm I'm optimistic about this WWDC. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, it's exciting. Yeah. yeah. So Monday, June 6th, 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. That's 6 p.m. UK. Mm-hmm. Well, what, what do you call the standard time? What is that? Is standard time? The right, the right time? Uh, at the moment, we're on BST. We're on British summertime. At the moment, so British BST, summertime, yeah. okay. and it's five hours ahead, right? Uh, it depends ahead. when you ask and how well I can count on my fingers, but approximately that. Well, what time yes. is it right now? Uh, right what now, time is it right uh, now? so I record. It's eighteen oh four. Oh, you're gonna make me do that? Okay, yeah, six oh four. Six oh four. So it'll be six p.m. British summertime, one p.m. Eastern, ten a.m. Pacific. Tune into the recap podcast episode that'll come out later that afternoon. I'll release that with everything, all the updates, everything they announce will be in that. And of course, we'll go more in depth on next week's Friday Apple Insider show. Thanks for tuning in. You can support the show, patreon.com slash Apple Insider. You get ad-free version of the show, early access, or support directly in Apple Podcasts. You're going to see a bonus episode from me, an old school Tech Taylor episode if you're interested. And so that'll be there. We'll see if William uh, sends me an audio file. Well, you'll know by the time you listen to this. Maybe you'll have to wait a week. Just pressure him on Twitter, you know. Twitter, our Twitter handles are in the show notes. You can do that there. And of course, check out HomeKit Insider every Monday. We talk about all the smart home and HomeKit stuff. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.